Oh, fine. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Meringue. Oh, hi, Tara. How are you doing? Happy All-Star Weekend. Happy belated oh, Valentine's Day. Happy birthday, Oregon. Things. Wait, Oregon's birthday is Valentine's Day? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't? Well, I, like, I, I should I should have NBC pay me to have the NBC the more you know thing go over the top of my head when stuff like that happens. Is that more humble bragging about being on TV? Because that only that took less than thirty seconds to get there. I I wasn't even thinking of it in that <laughs> essence. I was just thinking of it in NBC in general, like not realizing that yeah they also pay my checks. All right, yeah. Cool. Well, cool. Uh, Valentine's Day is Oregon's birthday. Huh? Did not know that. Right. Yeah. But I, it's also like I, I said, apparently I missed that in indoctrination day. <laughs> all Star Weekend. The All Star game just wrapped up. All the festivities are over. I guess they're sweeping up the confetti now for Team LeBron. Damian Lillard, although for some reason he didn't get the MVP, basically was the spark plug in that game that uh got Team Giannis back on track or Team LeBron back on track. Yeah, that like Four-minute period where Dame hit a kick-ahead pass to Beal for three, pulled up from deep from the three, kicked it to Thompson for three, and then hit, what, two more logo threes, assisted on another, and then hit another three. And it was like, oh, oh, oh we're playing now. Cool. <laughs> I love that, man. I mean, it was funny because I mean, so even, even the other players were, like, the other best in the world were looking around like, good God, man. And you saw every writer and media type out there who apparently is not aware that Dame exists saying only uh, only Dame has that, uh, that Steph range. And it's like, yeah, where the hell have you been? <laughs> well, so I, I watched the, I, the beginning of that game and I lasted for about two and a half minutes. And then I was like, this is so boring i can't do it and so i just like said on twitter like Tell never me when watch first in. quarters never watch first quarters They're, right it was so uh, it was just like it's just one of those things where you just question your like why do i even why why does this exist because mm-hmm. it was just like hey look at me let me like everybody part so that i can go through there and uh slam dunk and then let's go on the other end and we'll stay out of the way that so you can slam dunk and it was just like oh i can't stand it but I was alerted to the uh, when Damien to Dame started to take the game over. You you were alerted to Dame time. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, and this is going to sound corny as hell, but everybody in Portland is, is synced up for Dame time. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's be honest. Like you you could see it coming, and it was like, oh hi, there he is. Yeah, that was. It, awesome. It's cool. It honestly, it's cool that he gets that run. Yeah, like there, there, well, there second been times, year in a row. Yeah, I mean, you think about the Lamarcus Aldridge years where I get that LA is not. Not all that interesting to watch, <laughs> but he was getting like three and four minutes. Mm-hmm. It's like, so it's nice to have you know one of Portland's own get out there and and get real time. Yeah, you know what's not nice that I don't like about All Star Weekend? What's all that? these pictures of LeBron looking longingly at Dame. Did you notice yeah, can, all those? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a reason why they called it team tampering. <laughs> like it, it, literally every person that was on his team was like a, a LeBron target. Um, I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I was, I was, I was, I was team tampering when, when that that series when Dame kicked it to Beal and then followed up by kicking it to Clay. I was like, oh god, imagine if that was your one, two, three. Um, but in Portland, yeah, no, 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 no. that's a one thousand <laughs> percent. 
<laughs> yeah, I had that. Um, I had that feeling too uh, with Dame running along Clay a couple of times. I was like, oh, that would be nice. But uh, no, all the pictures from you know practice and from them shooting together. And there's one where they're in the, the half court room. shots. Did you, you saw that one, right? Which one? They both hit. They both hit back to back half court shots. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's not like a a blood pact though. It's not like when you prick your fingers and you like become blood brothers or like, you know, when you both sink your half court shots. That's not the same kind of binding contract. I mean, it's not it's not not a blood contract. <laughs> so, well, anyway, it was uh it was quite disturbing. It was unfortunate that um Seth and Dame were not able to make waves in the three-point contest. Boy, I thought I thought um uh Seth looked Quite nervous. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, his dad didn't do any favors picking him to win. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I that was on, the first man. time I really looked at the at him right next to his dad. He looks so much like his dad. Oh, it's creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's, he it's, looks yeah. so much like him. No, and it's funny is like when they had them out there all three at the same time. You're just like that's three literally generational shooters. Mm-hmm. Like. For anybody who ever wonders, like, I'm I'm a big fan of if you put your mind to anything, you can do it. Then there's, oh, also genetics play. Yeah, then there's the curry. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's the most obscene thing in sports. I tend to not watch the, uh, what is it, the Saturday night activities? That's the the skills. skills But I watched it this year and I actually felt like they did a good job with the program. I thought they could, they, it, it felt like it was at a better pace this year than I've seen it. In other years, it just kind of moved right along, and I appreciated that. Like the skills challenge was like open, like over before it even started. I was like, "Oh, okay, that's that's over." Yeah, the the dunk contest was good. I just think that the participants weren't quite as good this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Hamadou. Yeah, Hamadou was 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 on point. I think he was a legit contender. At this point in time, I'm I was just hoping and praying that that Zion will take the invitation for the dunk contest. Mm-hmm. Next year. I mean, that's it's really what we all need in our lives is, is Zion dunk contests. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of – it feels like it's gotten a, a little bit stale at this point. But I, I thought the one that – um uh, the one over Shaq was, was solid. Yeah. I like no, that one. Absolutely. That was real solid in the hang. And that was fun. I was like, okay, that's what it's all about. It does You didn't have to like bring in extra props. There's no mechanical No, just jump over fail. the seven-foot one guy. Yeah. No, I no um, but not only that, the, the Northwest did get some love. Chaylin Washington's own Joe Harris wins the three-point contest. Oh, I didn't know that he was from Washington. Yeah. I mean, come on. He you, you, you didn't um, look is at somebody him that I the would never Washington? recognize. <laughs> well, he looks like everybody else from the Northwest, yes. I guess. <laughs> yeah, he is fully, <laughs> like, he's a basketball player. Yeah, he is fully embracing the uh, the Northwest. The Northwest, yeah. But – um. Yeah, I mean, good for him. That was nice. That that's all, huh? Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, okay. it's like all oh, you just sit there and look at somebody shoot a bunch of threes, and then it's over. <laughs> so it's, Fair enough. I'm not mad at you. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of All Star Weekend. I really like the idea that players get a break in the middle. So I hope that everybody who was there this weekend can still take advantage of a couple of solid days of rest. That's mm-hmm. what, I like the idea that they would – I wish they just got a straight-up break in the middle of it instead of having to do all these activities and everything. But obviously, you know, that that's what, never that's the perk of coming <laughs> – well, I mean, that's the perk of coming with 
making an all-star team, whereas you get everybody else who's not, you know, the, the majority of the league is out getting that real break. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean. What did you think of Kevin Durant winning the MVP? I thought that was ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I mean. Like, who voted? Because it, it was a fan vote, wasn't it? Yeah. I, like, who's out there voting for Kevin Durant in that game? I mean, he I, had a lot of points, yeah, but like. But even then, like, even like a lot of Golden State fans don't like Kevin Durant. So, yeah, like, who likes Kevin Durant anymore? And, I'm sure he's a lovely person. He's a and lovely we know man. Most of the Midwest doesn't like him as far as basketball wise. I mean, just. It is what it is at this point, but it's, uh, yeah. Those are all the different fan bases who think that he's going to come next year. It was just New York. Yeah, I mean, it, it, realistically, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you get New York in there. You get the the uh, the Danny Ainge uh, cultists who think he's going to Boston. I mean, it's uh, it's got to be fun, right? <laughs> well, Dame is all-star in my heart. I mean, he's the MVP in my heart. That sounds about right. <laughs> well, let's talk Blazers. Let's talk a little bit more Blazers. Right before the break, Blazers had two games that were very, very different. Lost to OKC, followed by a win against Golden State. So OKC on the road, Golden State at home. I'm starting to really worry about the their road record. Um, we'll put that aside mm-hmm. for a minute. OKC loss. What can we learn from that besides the fact that OKC is really good and Paul George is really good? <laughs> uh, that's the big thing. Um, more than anything, uh, length and athleticism still really bother the Trailblazers. But they're getting longer, which I'm so excited about. Yes. We'll talk about it in a minute. Um What's going on? I mean, CJ had another rough shooting night. He was five of 20, one of seven from three against OKC. Is is he just struggling shooting? Are people really guarding him differently this year? Any thoughts on what's going on? Uh, His handle remains so good. What's up with his shot? I I wish I knew exactly what the issue was because I'd charge him money and (laughs) <laughs> fix it for him like every other shooting doctor out there yeah i guess we just um, have to be patient and... yeah no it's it's just like it, it's frustrating because you see him have a game where he'll go absolutely bonkers like he did the other day where he hit you know seven made threes um and then you'll have times when you know he disappears like that but more often than not what you can usually trace it to is um Length of defenders and athleticism. Mm-hmm. Guys like Clay Thompson, guys like uh, Paul George. I mean, okay. Paul George has been the second best player in the league this year behind Giannis. So for CJ to get outplayed by him, I mean, you heard Dame and, and Evan Turner post game, they both said that Paul George has their MVP vote so far this season. Like for, for what he's done and how good he has them playing. So it's, uh, it's a bad match for Portland up and down. And then Dame struggled a little bit against Westbrook again, which I didn't think was going to be a problem. Um, the efficiency numbers were kind of wonky and Nurk, not great. Um, it's just. Nurk's had a rough couple of games too. Yeah, I, I'm beginning to wonder if his knee is not good. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's, again, we'll, we'll talk about Cantor here in a little bit. Um, I'm wondering if that's part of the reason why they went with Cantor and why they made a guarantee to get him um, those minutes. Well, so he's not dunking and he's also not getting the ball run through him. Nope. 
like both the, both things which were just you know f- helped propel them through a great January. Yeah, it's 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 a really weird thing. I was hoping that the Blazers would help you know reestablish uh, Nurkic's presence both in the OKC game and then even more so in the Golden State game, and uh, it was very 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 guard oriented. Now the Golden State game flipped on it. I don't even know. Flipped on a Collins. Yeah. Let's um, <laughs> oh, so. man. That game was so fun. Do we have anything else to say about OKC before we turn to the really fun game to talk about? Yeah. Let's, let's just let's just put the put a pin in the OKC game because honestly, it sucked. Yeah. I mean, realistically, I, I just that's let's put it this way. I do not want to see them in the playoffs. Not because I'm like I'm terrified of them. I just think they are a very, very bad matchup for Portland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Golden State, also a bad matchup. <laughs> The I I knew that I had a really long day that I woke up super early and started work super early that day. And then I knew the OKC game was coming. And so I ordered myself and had a pizza delivered. And I just called it my misery pizza because I was just like, Smart. this is going to be a rough night. So I just need some comfort food delivered to my door. So that was the highlight of my night watching that game was that I got to have pizza. And you were also firmly prepared for the uh, a potential loss to the Warriors. Yeah, I was, and boy, was I wrong and so delighted by how wrong I was. I went to that game, and that game was so much fun. It was a typical game that had tons of Golden State fans, and our section usually, like the top half of our section, is usually full of um, players or uh, uh, fans of the other team. Mm-hmm. And they were just as annoying as they usually are. And the whole time I was like, well, you know what? The Blazers hung in there. You know, they, they're doing a really good job. They hung with them tight. They were, you know, you know, they they hung in there. And then the fourth <laughs> quarter started and they just <laughs> there was a meltdown of epic proportions from golden state and all those fans behind us suddenly were nowhere to be seen and they were quiet and they slunk out of there so quietly that night after what portland did to them (sighs) that was amazing i mean so just to keep it in perspective portland only scored nine points in one of the quarters versus okc so that was super bad. Mm-hmm. So to hold Golden State to 12, to 12. felt extra good <laughs> after, yeah. after they it, messed it up. It was an obscene game from beginning to end. The I would say the first half looked a little problematic simply because the Warriors were so shorthanded. I granted they still have supreme talent on the top end, but depth does matter in the NBA. Like you, you can't have guys out well, there. Well, that's just been a problem with all year long. Yeah, so it's 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 a little bit of an issue when guys are having to play thirty eight minutes every night, night in, night out, heading into an all star break, all that kind of stuff. Kevin Durant was unstoppable. I mean, absolutely unequivocally unstoppable. Clay was stopping himself, and Steph was in and out there for for times, but nobody else really. Showed up for the Warriors. Draymond Green uh, hit a couple early, and then he had some of the worst misses I've ever seen. Well, uh, both sides were throwing up air balls right and left. Yeah, there were. <laughs> what is Chief had the, had another one like he had in Dallas, where somebody opened up a window. Harkless had one. Uh, I think even Dame didn't Dame have an air ball uh-huh. in that game too. Like it was there were there were some really there were air balls all over the place. Was didn't 
didn't Chief miss the rim on a layup? Uh, yeah, I don't know, but he started off with a really nice dunk. Yeah, no, he did, but he al- <laughs> he also had the. the I mean, it may, it may there, have been well, the Oklahoma he had one City where, play. Yeah, he threw it up and it went over all the way to the other side. Yeah, exactly. Lay it up and it just went he over missed the, the re- Yeah, just the went completely over the other side. So this game had just the wildest sequences you've ever seen, but Portland still found themselves down uh, going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. And so, like, just following this trend, you're like, oh, God, this is this is not good. This Things haven't gone well for them in these situations all year. So, in basically, in back-to-back situations, they break both streak, both the winning when going into the third quarter or going into the fourth quarter and losing when going into the fourth quarter. It's kind of nice to just have that those over with. Not um, why? I, 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 anymore. I, love the, I love those talking points to fall back on. Come on now. <laughs> well, you had plenty of talking points after Wednesday nights, like Zach Collins completely yeah. getting in the mind of three all-stars. Okay, so let, let's, let's break this kind of down here because Zach's box score was nearly non-existent for most of the time he was on the floor. He ended up hitting a couple free throws late to get, actually get some points, and he picked up a couple rebounds to add to the rebound total. So he ends up with four and five and three blocks. And that's the kind of what you expect from a guy who's coming in late, filling in against the Warriors. You're, you're not expecting him to get touches, but you would not expect somebody with not necessarily that little, but just a quantifiable number that's smaller. Um, to have such a massive impact on the game. And this came after a back-to-back series of plays for him where he wasn't good. I mean, if, if you were to go, like, rewind that whole sequence down before that block, mm-hmm. he was, he he got his shot blocked before that. He got scored on and gave up the foul before that. And you're like, oh, boy, Zach, what are you doing? And then after he gets blocked, he kind of, he loses his legs and trips and falls over. And you're like, oh, God, now he's out of the play. And then out of nowhere, I, I, I did not think there was a chance in hell that he could get back into that. Like, he'd be effective in the play, let alone get back into it, right? He comes out of nowhere and absolutely sends that that ball away. And that, I mean, you were in the building, Tara. Oh, it was amazing. It was absolutely nuts. One of the things I like about him so much is that when he he takes everything that goes wrong very personally, and a lot of the time, <laughs> there's been many times where he could channel that into, you know, coming back right away and doing the right thing. Sometimes mm-hmm. he gets in his head and he fouls out, but sometimes he does things like that. It, like, gives him, like, superhuman strength and speed <laughs> when he's mad at himself. It was... It was a really weird period, but then it escalates beyond that to Zach now talking trash to basically anybody with ears. And Clay Thompson was was letting Zach live rent-free in his head immediately. Now, Clay had maybe his worst game I've ever seen. Two of 16. He did have eight assists, but like he just could not buy anything. It was it was bad. But Zach gets under his skin in a dead ball situation, and you could just you could physically see Clay unravel. Like you you could see like the squirt the screws come loose, and just 
he took the bait, hook, line, and sinker, like like a like a fifteen year old, and it was like you were a first ballot Hall of Famer. What are you doing? And then where it went from there to like you, you were in the building, the so, roar just kind of built up, didn't it? it? And while this was going on, Jake Lehman was scoring twelve points. <laughs> he was in Draymond's head. He had the, one. I think my favorite sequence was like. You know, three minutes left to go or whatever. Um, Draymond fouls Jake while go while um, you know Jake's going around his screen. Draymond like sticks his arm in his throat and gets called for a foul, but it's like a out of bounds play. They get the ball in, and then <laughs> uh, uh, Layman curls around and hits a three right in Draymond's face. <laughs> yeah, I mean. And, and then he starts doing layman shrugs. We're not calling them Jordan shrugs anymore. Who's Jordan? I mean, all, the only exactly. great that I know is Jake Layman. Okay, so did you see the thing that I retweeted after the game that night? There was uh, an article by Matt Ellenduck at, at SB Nation five years ago when Jake was at Maryland. And there was a quote from Jake Layman where he said he wanted to be Bruce Bowen on defense and Chandler Parsons on offense. <laughs> that is very specific. And I was just like... You would pick the white guy, first of all. Come on, Jake. Um, but like there, there, there was this underlying thing with Jake where he legitimately wanted and thought he could be, and believes he can be, damn good. Yeah, and he's showing that. And it's that's. I mean, so that's the, uh, what's what's crazy about this game is is we haven't even got to the part where Steve Kerr gets tossed and the Blazers have an eight point possession. Yeah. Um, so now I mean, we can now when they're down we can say just run the eight point play. Run the eight point play. I I, I sent a, a message off to Elias Sports Bureau to see if it had ever ever happened before. I I'm nearly certain it hasn't. So we'll say the Blazers hold the record for uh, most points in a possession now. Well, that Jake. I think that Jake three in Draymond's face was the, the final three of that. Eight. Yeah, it was. So yeah. you had you had three from Dame off two of the technicals, Collins. two from Collins, and then the three from Jake. Or, and kudos uh, from, to Collins yeah. because he's also hit clutch free throws before. Yes, he he misses all kinds of them, but he's good at clutch stuff. Like the more pressure he's under, it's almost the better. And what's the most impressive thing about this game is what it came on the heels of, right? Are you talking about Ennis Cantor? Well, not just that, but I mean, or the OKC, the, the OKC game, because they were they were bad in that game, and they've been realistically they've been playing bad for five games. Uh, like even in the Spurs game, they weren't great. It wasn't. I don't think that was a game that you really celebrate. Um, yeah, that so Dallas come, game was heartbreaking, and then followed yeah. immediately by just a blowout by OKC. Yeah, it's, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. The Blazers weren't playing great basketball, so. So to have them come out and give, I think the only like knocks you could say that came from that night was Nurk wasn't efficient, but he gobbled up a lot of his own misses with offensive rebounds, and CJ wasn't on fire. But otherwise, you had Dame contributing. I mean, he had twenty nine on fifteen shots. Jake seven of nine. Mo four of nine. Aminu three of seven. Curry three of six. Hood three of five. I mean, everybody got in. Everybody contributed. And it was, and then we've talked about this off air, Tara. One of the things that had bothered me the most about this team is that that they hadn't had a fourth quarter comeback this season. Like 
It was, this is a, this is a franchise. Boy, and they this had gr- one this time. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this is a franchise, and this is a group of players who, over the last couple of years, is notorious for having and being reliant on those those comebacks, right? Mm-hmm. So it was really really weird to see them not have one yet. So it was it was it was for me it was the most enjoyable game of the year. Oh yeah, it was it was a very enjoyable game. I will definitely agree with you on that one. But where I was going with Cantor, who I'm just I can't wait to talk about. I'm so excited to talk about that. Is that this breakout game from Zach Collins? I don't know if it was a breakout game, but this great game by Zach Collins came the day that they um, basically brought in somebody who could potentially take a bunch of his time away. Yeah, and he was realistically like, is going to. No, don't. You're not letting me sit down. I'm not sitting down. Even if Zach gives this kind of energy and hustle it, it's it's still a results-based league and i don't think zach's quite there yet but it was certainly something that was worth the coaches taking a look at right um but Cantor, if, if you believe what has been told is that he is um the reason he came to portland is he was basically guaranteed minutes like that's just, and I believe Rodney Hood was as well. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, so. they were just out there promising everybody minutes, which I guess you know potentially they you know they could take that's them because you- there were some gaps. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, when all things are equal, if you can make that promise and you can keep it, I mean, that's that's how you land a guy. Because I didn't think they had a chance of landing Cantor. Everything like I said, I think before we the week before. I said I was nearly certain he was going to sign in Boston. Because everybody that I had talked to said that it was pretty much done. So for Portland to come out of nowhere, and it's not necessarily out of nowhere because um, Cantor's agent. on him for a well, long time. Yeah, not just that, but Cantor's agent is also uh, Bartlestein. So that's Zach's agent. That's Moe's agent. That's, I think, Jake's agent. Um, numerous other uh, previous players' mm-hmm. agent. Uh, it's clearly an agent that that Neil has a long lasting and working relationship with. Mm-hmm. So it uh, should be should be interesting how see that that whole dynamic plays out. But that's another piece. And listen, like I've been critical as hell of Olshay over the last couple of years, um, but he continues to get the um, the bargain basement add on guys. That I mean, you can't be mad at him for it. Uh, this one to me feels. Um, bigger and better than a, anything that I can think of oh, that he did on wise, purpose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I was just saying last week. I was, I was like, Dan, we need a plug and play big guy, mm-hmm. somebody who can just come in, come off the bench, do their thing, and you know, be the mature, experienced person. I don't think we need like the seasoned vet who can teach everybody how to be a playoff team because we have Damian Lillard, but we do need somebody who no matter what night it is, can come in and get a double double. Yeah. And I wrote about it this past weekend. Cantor is a double double machine who offensively is going to live, act, breathe and interact with the game the same ways that Yusuf Nurkic does or did. I mean, that's, that's just the reality of it. So and two guys who play very similarly yes. in the same position. So um, let's talk about – we'll talk about defense in a minute. But at least offensively, um, you don't lose 
when you put Anna's Cantor in, when you take Yusuf Nurkic out and you put Anna's Cantor in, you don't lose any offensive momentum. No, and the, and the crazy thing is beyond that is that these uh, these these plays that are being run or not necessarily run, but are going to be a part of the offense with Cantor on the floor. He's a guy who, while he's good with the ball in his hands, is a top tier, like top in the world kind of offensive rebounding putback guy. Oh, I was gonna say that one. I mean, he I he gobbles him up. I love the he offensive. He's gonna do the offensive rebounding that Ed did last year. Yes, absolutely. So Zach Collins doesn't have to be the one to do it because you know I like Zach Collins, but offensive rebounding is not his thing. And he even can get his hands on the ball, but then it gets knocked off of him. <laughs> and that is not what happens to Ennis Cantor. He gets no. the ball and he holds on to it and he re you know puts it up again or he distributes it or whatever. But now we don't have to worry about Zach doesn't have to worry about doing that. Just like last year, Ed used to take care of that. Yeah, now, and he's very good at finishing those as well. Like it's not just pulling them down, it's pulling them down and finishing them. And that's the difference really between him and Nurk. Nurk's the better offensive player in the sense of he's better as a pick and roll guy. He's more creative. He's got a more well-rounded game. But on the other side of that, Cantor is the better finisher and the better pure scorer. But those, that's, that's the minutia of their game on, on the offensive end. The overall, you know, top layer stuff, they are very similar in how they go about their business, both uh, with and without the ball. So that's the offensive rebounds and then the pick and roll and the post-ups. And Cantor's also a good passer. He's not on Nurk's level, but he is a good passer. Yeah, He's serviceable in that department. Yes. Does he dunk? Mm, he's not a big dunker, is he? Uh, he no, he's he's a bit like like uh, Nurk, too. You don't want me to pull up his numbers. I've seen, I, I was watching highlights. There's a lot of flicks. Hook shots, but he has incredible touch. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's unlike Nurkic. He's managed to like really hone that in. Um, let's see. Okay, trying to find his dunk totals. Ah, oh, Tara, I'm gonna. I've got terrible news for you. Oh, what is it? He has 14 dunk attempts on the year. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just gonna. You know what? I'm just going to do the same thing that I did with Nurkic and to be like, you know what? He didn't grow up dunking. Dunking is not a thing for him. I'm just going to let it go. And if he does dunk, I'm going to be delighted. And if he doesn't, then that's fine. Wait, can I just do a really quick sidebar at how Anthony Davis completely blew, did not even attempt the alley-oop that that Damian Lillard threw to him today that was so freaking obvious. Even I knew what was happening. And Anthony Uh, Davis didn't even make an effort. It happens. I mean, how can you trust a guy that's given up on his franchise, right? Ugh, Let's was, go sidebar on terrible. Anthony Davis real quick here. You, did you see what he said the other day about Which time? New Orleans? He said so many things that you just go, what are you doing? The heartfelt uh, Instagram post? Oh, how he's going to write about it on Instagram later like everybody oh, else does. Yeah, good. so correct me if I'm wrong. God. He said that he wasn't going to – how did – recap it. For people who didn't see it. Uh, so basically they asked him how his relationship with New Orleans is. I got nothing for love for New Orleans. I'll be sure to write a really heartfelt Instagram post when I'm when, gone. When the time comes. Oh my yeah. God. Even if that's legitimately what you think, man. Do not say that. Yeah. He doesn't good. have a real good people filter. Jesus. Yeah. I just. 
Okay, yeah, let's get let's get back to Anna's wow. canter because this is so fun. Okay, so here's what I imagine happening, and um, I imagine him, you know, like you were saying, you know, coming in for Nurkic, and then Zach Collins going back to playing power forward alongside him, like he did with Ed Davis last year. I see Cantor taking care of a lot of the offense and then now Collins will have to handle more of the defense than, than he did last year. But that seems fine. Cause that's really where his mind is anyway. How do you think the defensive system is going to work? Well, here's the other little sidebar, I guess, is I, I think Zach's going to be the one who's going to suffer most on minutes. Uh, you don't of, think it's going to be Myers Leonard? Well, I think Myers has already been pushed out. I'm talking about of the active guys. Well, I don't think there's a way you can take Jake off the floor right now. And Stotts has shown that he won't take Mo off the court right now. If you're adding Cantor, and realistically, I expect Cantor to get probably 20 minutes a night. And with that, uh, and how good Hood and um, Lehman have been on the court together, I would expect to see these guys, Hood, Lehman, uh, E.T., Cantor, I kind of expect that kind of to be the lineup. And I think Zach may end up being the odd man out as becoming more of a situational guy, which is why the Blazers went out and got Cantor in the first place, was that they wanted somebody that no doubt they could put minutes into. So who do you think plays the four alongside Cantor? Do you think Layman's going to be playing the four? They've been doing it recently. Well, here's the thing is, like, if you have Cantor on the floor and you don't have Myers or you don't have Zach at the five and you're going with one of these lineups that – doesn't have uh, the floor spacing, but you still want Turner out there, mm-hmm. then you're going to have, what, Cantor, Turner, and Collins on the floor at the same time, and then not have Seth? See, I see, I've seen them have a lot of success with the starters minus, uh, so the starters minus Mo plus Turner for yep. a long time. That was the closing out. Yep. Now, but now they have Jake in there. I, I honestly, know, uh, do we wait? Okay. Do we, I, I know I don't want to say we have like an embarrassment of riches here, but we do have more. The Blazers do have more choices than they did. Bef- than they did they did a month, a ago. month ago. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Unequivocally. And this is what we've always talked about for the last couple of years. Get some guys in there that are in that, that size range that have more than one skill set and they'll blossom. We, we, we've said that for years. It's just a matter of getting those guys there because their hands were tied. Granted they tied their own hands, but <laughs> okay. it was just, they were just did not have the, the necessary tools to make it happen. And it's a bummer because now it's, now we can see what it is with these guys. Imagine what it is. If the guy that you insert there is Paul George, you know, so, yeah. It, bring it, us it, down, Dan. Yeah, I right. know. But, I mean, the, the reality is the Blazers are looking at this right now, and, and whether it's right or not will be decided after, you know, after the playoffs, that they're less worried about developing Zach right now than they are about um, winning I mean, right now and, and trying to show Dame that it matters. I I, I I legitimately think that's a big part of this is showing Dame that hey, we're we're not going to like the the, the whole bet with that I had with Casey was based on the business side of things, and it appears that the business side of things has been overridden by the desire to win, mm-hmm. and I I applaud that. 
I wish they would have gone bigger, but that, that that's what I've always wanted. I I think they went pretty big considering what they, I mean, I can't believe they got Cantor for basically nothing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a buyout guy, but you, like, when was the last time the Blazers got a buyout guy, let alone a, a decent buyout guy, right? I don't know. Do you know? No, I, I, I could not, I could not remember one off the top of my head. Uh huh. Like, it was just one of those things I was like, when was the last time the Blazers got a buyout candidate? Like, especially a buyout candidate with any kind of real impact. It was just like, okay. This, okay. this is a good move. The other thing that we haven't talked about Cantor with with regards is the fact that he is like an enforcer kind of guy. Like he'll he'll take on anybody. The one thing that I'm looking forward to more than anything is the epic amount of shit that Cantor and Nurkic are going to talk to opponents. <laughs> I know. It's going to be, be just, 48 there'll minutes. There will never be a break. Yeah. No, it's, it's the absolutely fantastic. And I mean, Cantor gives them something off the court, too. The guy is a, a quote machine. He's yeah. a fun. He's a blast. I mean, the, when he signs with the Knicks, he t- he's talking about how his nipples are getting hard thinking about going to the playoffs. Like, if you can't get behind that, you're, 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 behind the, you're in the wrong sport. Like, the dude is just fun. Yeah, um, he is. So he's interesting. I, I, he's like, yes. he's deeper. He's deeper too, you know, than a lot, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of deep players, but you know, with his whole political background and all of that stuff that's going on too, like he's got, there's a lot of layers to him. Yeah. There, there are some absolutely wild things going on. If you, if you've got time to, to really dig into it, cause it's something you need to understand before just like coming to a conclusion or some sort of judgment. Um, but if you dig into the back and forth between him and and Erdogan and his family and everything else, it is absolutely wild. Like that's to see an NBA player wrapped up in something like that and the the, the implications of it. It's it's pretty nuts. Well, and one of the things about him that seems pretty cool is that he just throws himself into wherever he is. Yeah, I mean, hell, Tara, did you see what he had before the Blazers even announced it? He had um, his own Photoshop. He so Woj announced it at 147 and at 149 he tweeted a picture of himself photoshopped in a blazer uniform. My I, heart burst. I was like, you know okay. how much I like up to date web content. Yeah, this is this is very true. You you want things to be very on point. I mean, you, you've got to keep your brand very very tight. I mean, I had people reach out to me as soon as they saw that and said, you are going to love him because look at this. (laughs) Not only did he have the photo ready for the the, the Photoshop with a little quote, like how much he loves Rip City and how ready he is. He had his avatar. Also, we get double zero and zero. I know. How fun is that going to be? I loved Eric's, Eric Griffith's tweet about the lowest number because we could have zero, double zero, one like two, three, and four or something on the yeah. on the court, and it would be like a super low number. It's just just the most random Eric thing I could possibly imagine. <laughs> like, hey, want to see what our lowest number combination is between these guys? Sure, okay. But yeah, no, it, the, I I completely berate Olshay for a lot of things, so I have to give him credit when he does do something of consequence, and I think like. This is a move of consequence. The, the, the fact that they got Cantor and pulled him away from Chicago, from um, Los Angeles, from Boston, that's that's to be complimented. And I, I'm not a fan of it, but <laughs> it, it needs to be complimented. Wait, why are you not? What do you mean you're not a fan of it? Uh, I've, I've just been writing on the uh, 
you know, bag on the Blazers management train for, oh, for okay. quite a while. It's you're like, not a fan of having to say a nice yeah, thing like, about because you know, of having to admit that this was a really this was a good move. Yeah, because there's there's no way you look at this and go, it's a bad move, unless of course you're like Zach's agent and you're sitting there <laughs> going, I don't like this move, but uh, but I get it, you know. I don't think that. Uh, I w- I don't think that Zach's gonna lose it. I think that they want him alongside Zach. I don't. I'm cr- curious to see how that turns out. You haven't convinced me yet. Uh, all, the Blazers have really shown, re- especially recently, that they are much more concerned over the long haul about the offensive minutes than anything else. And mm-hmm. so I, I think they end up staying with because the offense he, that matters. Uh, Cantor's more productive offensively. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that's that's the reason you go out and get the guy is because of how good he is offensively, right? So I I just I have a hard time seeing the floor spacing with Cantor, Collins, and Turner. I, I, think, I think that's going to be very difficult. minutes might go down a bit. Well, they could, but who's running the offense then? Seth. So you think Seth – that would probably – if In Turner's minutes unit. go down, then – then Seth's minutes are going up. And so your, uh-huh. your, your belief or assumption here is that Hood and, and Lehman are going to take minutes more so from Turner than they are from Zach. Yeah. Okay. That's what I think. I mean, I don't know. I haven't no, thought no, no, through I, that. I, I, I haven't I don't think that's... that much. I just, I just think that I like the pairing of Zach alongside Cantor. And can you imagine, you know, think about how much Zach alone got in the head of uh, the Warriors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine Zach and Cantor together. Yeah, no, and I, uh, like, listen, I'm I'm not advocating for Collins to not get the minutes. It's just I'm yeah. going on. I'm basing it off what I've seen from Portland in the past. Mm-hmm. What I've seen from them is just a willingness to completely, continually, at least this year, try things. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's what you say. When they come back from the All Star break, it's going to be really, really, really interesting to see what Stotts does, mm-hmm. like how how much they change things around or how much he's willing to tinker down the stretch uh, to get ready for the playoffs. Yeah. Well, and considering that they are going to be starting off on the road too. Um, so, I mean, is Cantor even going to have a chance to practice with them? Yeah, they're they're. I believe he's getting into town with a couple other guys um, a few days from now. I think they're, I think they're all supposed to be back on Tuesday. Okay. So does the league start up again on Wednesday? I believe so, yes, because yeah, because the first game back across the board is uh, Thursday. So okay. um, I would, my assumption is that guys are back in town Tuesday, practicing on Wednesday, or in the Blazers' case, the Blazers may practice on Tuesday and leave on Wednesday to right. get there ahead of time to try to get ahead of this road trip. Yeah, because they have to go all the way across. They they play they play, yes. play Brooklyn. Let's talk about some of the upcoming games. A really good Brooklyn team. Ooh, yes, which apparently Ed Davis has circled on his calendar, which is just great. <laughs> I mean, we, we haven't had a chance to see him all year, but they are a 500 team. I don't um, know. They've got some good players. They're playing well. They love Ed Davis. I mean, we, we told them that that right? was going to happen. I know. Um, D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, Lavert's coming Paris back. Lavert's back. Yep. Joe Harris, you saw what he can do. Jared Allen has turned into a very, very fun player who still has a very high ceiling. Bads dropped a 30 piece the other night. Um, Courage is a guy who's going out there and showing potential as a three point shooter, although he fell off a cliff. Um, 
I'm trying to think of who else. Oh, they, they, I think they let Mitch Creek go because that would have been fun. He's a Aussie that likes to punch people in the face quite frequently. He's a big I tough feel dude. Like he was playing the last time I watched him play. He, he's a summer league guy too. He's he's like captain summer league. Mm-hmm. Mitch Creek is one of those guys where if you've been down there enough, you're like ah, good old Mitch. But yeah, they're they're a good team. And if it wasn't for, um, I heard this on uh, the All Star broadcast, and it was weird because it was like the players only broadcast. And they said something that I thought that was very, very on point that the two best ca- uh, candidates for coach of the year right now are uh, Nate McMillan and, and uh, the coach in Brooklyn right now, uh, Kenny Atkinson. And I was like, holy crap, they actually got something right. They didn't just what go about with the Budenholzer? coach. I, w- I was going to put Budenholzer third or, or second if you want to give it to Nate and to Atkinson um, as like a, uh, a tie. Yeah, yeah, because. Both those teams, the, the hallmark of, of both those teams right now is they will outwork you. They are like a college football team. Like the, the, the motto of we, you know, we will come earlier, stay later, work harder. That's, that's how those teams win. It's not, they aren't loaded with talent. They don't get me wrong. They have good young players, but they will just beat you by outworking you. And it's a fun, it's a fun team to watch. What advantage does Portland? have against uh, Brooklyn and then the other one we should talk about is Philadelphia so what advantages does Portland hold against either of those teams um, when it comes to Brooklyn in particular Brooklyn hasn't seen the Blazers and they're going to have a little bit of time to, to integrate the new guys um, so that and everybody should be who, who was nicked up let's say Nurkic has been nicked up and I know his knee has been bothering him um, but let's say that that you know, they're healthy. He's rested again. up now. Yeah, and yeah. ready to go. So I think those are the biggest factors. And that and the Blazers have got to get these games. The games against the non-elite competition, because they have dropped games to, you know, both games to the Heat. They've dropped games to the Mavericks. Like, it, they need these wins. They need the, the, the teams that are at 500 or below. This is where they have to make their hay. Otherwise... Well, I still think they're a lock for the playoffs. Uh, they, they're going to have to try a lot harder to get a decent matchup. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they match up against Golden State. <laughs> oh, let's go. No, 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 no. Let's not base it off that one game. Don't do that. Haven't That's, they beat them twice? Yeah. It's just pretty handily. Let's not. Don't, okay. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not advocating that they try to go play. I'm not. That, that sounds terrifying. I know. I mean, any any team in the West that they play against in the playoffs is going to be a tough matchup. So there's no sense in trying to figure that out now. Um, what I'm most concerned about going to Brooklyn is that um, Brooklyn will covet um, our next year's free agents, and they'll be like, "We like that Jake Lehman guy." Yeah, thankfully he, they, they he don't have the money join to throw Brooke, around uh, Portland East. Yeah, that's uh, if if they had money, I'd be terrified. Like legitimately, it's just one of those things. You're like, oh god, please, please no, please leave, leave this one alone. And realistically, like, I, 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 I want Joe Harris. So, no, I'm, I'm not saying I want to do a swap. I, I just want to pull a Brooklyn here and steal somebody. Oh. I think that'd be fun. <laughs> Philadelphia, terrifying. Yeah, legit threat for the Eastern Conference champion. Um, Embiid, Toby, Jimmy, Ben is a terrifying big four that is just absolutely vicious. So um, 
it'll be interesting. I want to see Nurkic against Embiid. I like that's just two big time heavyweights that I really, really, really want to see go at each other with both of them healthy, feeling good, and in the groove. It's just it's not often we get to see two just monumentally huge dudes go at it in in that respect. The ground is going to be shaking when they crash that's, into each other. It's kind of what I'm hoping for. Like I, I, I want it to be a throwback in a sense where it's a bit like the 80s and 90s bigs matchups, but with a little bit more skill. Like Embiid can legitimately take a guy off the balance with a three-point line. That's it's a nice little wrinkle to have in your seven foot one, three hundred pounder. <laughs> so who goes out? To guard a seven footer on the three point line, um, who's the person who draws? Is that is that Aminu uh, running out there? I mean, if it's the Sixers and it's Embiid, it's Nurkic. Uh huh. And so I he mean, just has to run back and forth all night. And I mean, Embiid's not a great shooter, so you just kind of live with it and you play underneath it. And you're more worried about him catching it deeper than anything else. So okay. I don't think you sacrifice somebody like Aminu on the perimeter and deal with the switch that may come because that's a switch that if it comes, that's hell. Like, I, <laughs> there's not a lot of matchups in the NBA where Aminu sitting there looking at it like, oh, this sucks. But Embiid is very, very high on that list of, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I want nothing to do with this. So it's uh should be a fun little little experiment here. Whenever it seems like a lot of games when the other team has a real big guy, it seems there's like there's always one moment in the game where Seth Curry gets switched on to him. <laughs> the poor guy, he's not. I know, and I'm always like, why did you guys let Seth end up there? It's like, what did what did Seth do to you? I guess we'd be, we'd be remiss here if we didn't acknowledge the soon to be union between the Curry clan and the uh, and and House Rivers, right? Well, yeah, I mean, they already share a baby. Yep. So Seth and uh, Doc Rivers' River, daughter. River Curry yeah. Dynasty. Yeah, that's uh, those and are some. Portland's a part of it. Those are some genetics right there. That's yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that's going to be some uh, quality, quality players at whatever level that whatever sport they choose to do. <laughs> Or smart. I mean, they're all smart, too. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't get the Duke as a complete dummy. They're, I mean, they all. I check. Yeah. It's a, that's going to be a powerful union. Yeah. It's, and, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, not necessarily that, that union works out, but how, how the Blazers come out of this, this post all-star break, because there's a lot of pressure, but I also think that there's, because they, here's the, here's the flip side of everything of, of all these nice things. I think a little bit more is expected now. Don't you? I, I I would say that it feels like the pressure that's there is that if they don't get out of the first round, it hurts even more now. I guess what I'm wondering, though, is in the, at least in these immediate few weeks after the trades, if they're going to simplify the playbook like they did with Nurkic. Now they have two new two new guys that they're trying to incorporate. Are they going to simplify things? And uh... I think more than so. That's even, one of the things I'm going to be looking at. Like, are they going to? The timing between Dame and Cantor is going to be more important to me than anything else. Cantor's a smart dude, basketball wise. Uh, I think he'll be able to figure out the the sets and, and um, how those things go naturally more than anything else right now. So it uh, okay. So with him playing also like 
is he going to be playing alongside uh, Seth? If he's going to be in the second unit, yeah. I mean, um, and you know how much staggering are the Blazers going to do for the second half too? And the easiest thing is, I, I, the reason I said a Damon Cantor is, I, I think there's going to be times when Nurk's in foul trouble or um, Nurk is a little gassed or what, whatever the issue is. There's, there's, there's. I think that that's going to be important that that relationship is there. Hood and Cantor actually played together for half a season. Hood's uh, rookie season in Utah. In Utah. Oh, okay. There we go. Um, I mean, yeah. that's probably that's not a lot of time together. And I don't. I mean, Hood. I mean, although Hood was had a, a, you know, he came in and I can't remember how much he played his first year. I know he played a lot of his second year, but um, those two do know each other, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm super excited for the second half of the year. I'm way more excited about this Cantor trade than I thought I would, or Cantor signing than I thought it would be. I guess. Back, you know, a couple of years ago when it was the possibility that it would be a trade, it was kind of like, eh, like, yeah, no, it's a, it's a hard blah, pass. Blah, blah, blah. It's so much money, blah, blah, blah. But this situation is like, like yeah, minimum, bring yeah. it on. But as, as, as just kind of wrap up here as far as something you touched on here. Um, the idea of having Cantor get in the playbook is, goes back to something we talked about earlier on, on the pod. Where does Cantor do most of his damage? Offensive rebounds. Like he legitimately, that is his, that is his source of production that accounts for 30% of his production. It's insane. I, I, I want the, the charts that I, I showed on the article on Saturday showed basically what his production has been over the last couple of years and how much of it was around, um, offensive rebound putbacks. It's nutty. It, it's, there's nobody else in the league that's like him. So cool. just that. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up. And let's see. I'll remind everybody, this I think this is the last week for purchasing Blazers Edge Night tickets. So uh, take a look at the bottom of this article or go visit blazersedge.com to find out how you can purchase tickets to donate to Blazers Edge Night coming up in March. And let's see, what do you got going on this week? Anything <laughs> back to back to business? Yeah, start got, on Thursday. Yeah, say so I got nothing until now and then. So I'm all uh, right. Well, do you just relax then? Yeah, no, I'm I'm going to relax for the first time in a while, and I'm going to enjoy every last bit of it. It's going to be fun. Very good. Well, you can find me on Twitter at TCB Biggs. You can also find the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. We uh, had a fun one last week where we talked to somebody from Utah and learned more about Rodney Hood. And then we also talked to people from um, New York and Dallas about the trade that went down um, with Porzingis. That was really interesting. And hopefully I've got one a fun one coming up this week if I can get this one person to talk to. Otherwise, um, we will have some other content with other equally exciting people. But I'm, I'm trying to find somebody from Brooklyn to come in and talk about how all of the uh, Portland Trailblazers East are doing in Brooklyn in advance of the Brooklyn game. So if I can get that one out, that would be great. How about Perfect. you, Dan? Um, not, not a whole lot. Just, just good times. So we're going to have some, uh, some guests here on the show. Some scheduling conflicts have, have been a little bit difficult. But uh, other than that, we do have uh, some guests coming up off when the Blazers get back from the road trip on Blazers Outsiders. So that will be cool. Um, beyond that, you can find me on social media at DMarang, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G for IG, Twitter, everything else. Uh, otherwise, I'm on Blazers Outsiders on every pre- and post-game show. 
uh, NBC Sports Northwest. And like Tara said, this is the closing period here for uh, Blazers Edge Night. So if you can, please, please make it happen. Please make it happen. If you have the ability, please donate. It's it's an awesome, awesome occasion, and, and the ability for everybody to to chip in and, and make it all happen is really a part of what makes it so cool. I bought 16 tickets thanks to Jake Lehman and Myers Leonard. Shout out alley-oops. And all other alley-oops in December and January. It's a good time. It's a good time. All right. All right, Dan. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.